0: Listening
1: to episode 35. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started, it's not that important because, great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really... I am the number one student, so get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome, and thank you for joining me here on the Business Heroes Podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week, is Mutabo here, your host. I am super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Dave Nivote. Dave, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Um, Dave is a co-founder of Hubstaff, um, which helps remote teams with team tracking, proof of work, project management. Uh, Dave has also founded um, several multi-million dollar businesses, and he also writes a popular blog series that I love that teaches... um, what his team has done to grow Hubstaff um, from zero customers to over 3000 and over a million dollars in annual revenue since they started a couple of years ago and also provides invaluable free training on how to build a remote team. So very excited to dig more into your story, Dave. Um, welcome to the show. Before um, we get stuck into your story, maybe you just take 30 seconds to tell us
0: um, who is Dave outside of business. Yeah. So, I mean, I have, I I live in the United States. I've got, you know, uh, two little boys. So I've got a young family, um, try to spend a lot of time with them and getting to know them and raising them, you know, what I feel like to be the right way. Uh, I've had, I've been doing this since, you know, the age of like 23 and now I'm 38 or 37. Forget which one exactly. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's been a while for me now already. And so, um, uh, you know, I live a pretty simple life, um, like sports a lot, um, got a lot of friends here, you know, locally and just like to hang out and do the regular thing, you know.
1: That's great. So, so you've been full-time in business for yourself for how many years? I guess it's pushing like 14 now. That's, uh, that's a long time. Congratulations. Um, tell us uh, a little bit about what your core revenue streams are today and then maybe we'll talk a, a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur.
0: Yes, I mean I I've been, you know, I've I have i have been lucky that I've had a few businesses that have done well um early on, really early on. Uh like 23, 24, 25 time span. And so um you know, and then I've had another another business in the past that's done well. So basically my core revenue stream right now is is almost nothing. I mean, I I we're getting to the point where we have uh, the money to pay out, you know, the founders and salary and that kind of thing. So that's good. But um, for the past, you know, few years, I've made uh, not not very much because I've been focusing on building the business up, and we've been spending everything that we have made in the company. So um, yeah, so it's it's been something where I've been living off the savings of what I previously did. But now, but like I said, now we're getting to a point where we're leveling off the expenses of Hubstaff. Um, and taking more as the founders, um, but in terms of the business,
1: um, what is the what are the core revenues that your business is generating?
0: Okay, so yeah, I mean it's all based on software, so it's all software. It's uh, I think we're doing like one point I don't know six million dollars in annual, um, and it, it's all based on subscription model software so we're time tracking software primarily and you know we have a we have a base plan of $5 per user and a premium plan of $10 per user um, and you know it's built off that that recurring revenue stream of of software
1: as a service that's good so so let's let's go back in time a little bit and talk about how the journey for you started obviously you're talking 23 years old that's probably what straight out of university or college, um, how did that happen for you?
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a job for a little bit, you know, uh, like 18 months, a year and a half um, in Chicago working for a, a large pharmaceutical company. And, you know, after that, I did my own thing and I've been doing my mm. own thing ever since. What made you go down that route? I just didn't like what I was seeing. I didn't like, uh, I wasn't happy. I felt. I felt crammed. I felt... Unfree, free, um, felt like I was just pushing reports and doing meaningless work. And I, you know, it's just, I, I just, I wanted more, you know, it's it's hard, it's, it's hard in any job when you don't have the creative freedom, I think, to do what you want. Um, when you, at least when you feel you have the value and you have that extra bit of motivation, whatever it is that drives that, I'm not quite sure, uh, but it was just something that was in me and basically just, just didn't feel like, you know, I, I I felt like I would have had to, you know, work 15, 20 years to get to a middle of a management position, which I wouldn't even enjoy when I was there. Um, you know, you got the whole vacation time, and you got to ask somebody for days off. They would say no. It just it just didn't fit my lifestyle, you know. I, it's not what I wanted out of my life in general. And so, um, you know, I just stopped and moved on. Um, what was your first sort of full-time business that you, you launched? So I was... Uh, golf e-commerce. So golf instruction e-commerce. So we would sell videos, e-books, training aids um, on how to swing a golf club better. Opened me up to basically, I mean, a lot of stuff. It was amazing. It was, um, you know, I was a kid up in Chicago that was very used to, um, had no experience doing any kind of an online business. And then, you know, a year and a half into it, I've got a business that's doing a million and a half in revenue and half of my customers are, are from overseas and I've got the, I've now I, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's a whole nother world. It really uh, opened my eyes to basically what's possible um, on the internet and in the way that, you know, just learned a lot about um, business and the world and just all kinds of stuff, you know, mm. marketing,
1: now you went in that business just to what replace your income at, at the beginning,
0: right? I was there to I, I just I was there to explore, you know, I was young and free and I had basically um I had a degree from college, I got great grades, I I knew I could always go get another job. That wasn't the issue. I I felt like there was opportunity here. Um, I basically just you know, it was like my dad just said, Hey, you know, he knew I wasn't very happy in my job. He was like, Hey, you know, I saw this ad for this I had no idea that I wanted to do something online related. I just didn't knew that I wasn't happy doing what I was currently doing. And so my dad said, hey, I saw this ad. I got this email ad from this newsletter. And this is back in the day when you had AOL and that kind of thing. So, you know, you got the the email newsletter um, and it basically said, hey, you know, uh, Learn how to make a living online, and my dad said, "Hey, I'll buy this for you. It's like five hundred dollars. I'll buy this for you if you promise to implement it and do it the right way." You know, and I said, ah, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do it." So, basically, he bought it. I implemented it. You know, I worked on the side of my job, so I was tr- I was trying to build up the business and explore. Like I said, um, and yeah, it would have been great. I mean, I think at that point in time, ideally, I was I, I was thinking that this might be something that I could make an extra four or five thousand dollars a month on. Um, and always have another job. I was never thinking this would be full-time, but then when I started to make that money, I said, well, this is, could be a, a full-time business and career for me. So, I, you know, I, I learned and I understood the opportunity. Um, just jumped into it full-time. How did you scale it up so quickly? Uh, just the right place, right right time. It was not me. It was just the right place, right time. I picked the right market. Um, it's been something I've done throughout my career, uh, picking the right, kind of business in the first place i think that has a lot to do with it um and basically there was nobody else doing what i well there was a few other people doing that i was doing but not not very many um and basically it was like back in the day when you rarely got an email um again it was brand new email was brand new um it maybe had been around for three years back then this is back in 2003 i mean you know longer than that i guess but you know email on a massive scale where the the average resident had email um was a new thing um my demographic was older males so males between the ages of 50 years old and you know 80 years old people were not paying them attention they were not getting emails i was the only one emailing them um Open rates were huge. Conversion rates were huge. They, a, advertising was different. I mean, I had five ads. I, I back in that day, you know, I could have five ads, ad placements on the side. I was the only one advertising. I was advertising. Uh, it would cost me a nickel per click. So I was just getting a ton of traffic, a high conversion rate, and I was, you know, that's how I scaled it up fast. It's the right place, right time. And then you sold that business, right? Yeah, I tried. I did. I sold half of it. Uh, didn't sell all of it. I wasn't able to sell all of it, but i sold half of it. And now it's kind of not operating very much. I mean, it's, it's still in business, but it's not really being, I haven't, I haven't really worked on it for a period of like five years.
1: Oh yeah. Wow. So it's still around kind of, that's interesting. And then what, what was the next big transition after that?
0: So I bought, uh, I put that business for sale. Um, in the course of putting it for sale, I met a lot of people, a lot of buyers would call me, um, and so, one of these buyers uh, lived out in Florida. He was raising um, equity money for um, to buy more businesses. He had a model where he would buy e-commerce businesses and basically try to improve them and then resell them or or uh, just milk the profits. And so, basically. Um, you know, he and I talked. He was again as a buyer. He did not decide to buy the business, uh, but in the course of talking, he knew that I was looking to get out and do something different. And so he bought this business and offered me to buy into it, which I did. And it, as a part of buying into it, also gave me like a a vested in percentage in the company as well as basically the opportunity to run it. Um, I knew I wanted to get into software. This business was a software-related company. Um, You know, I felt like it gave me the opportunity to basically learn and get a nice salary doing so, as well as the upside of growing the company because I was like an 18% owner in the company. So it worked out really, really well. I learned a lot. I learned about software. I learned, and that business was doing about, you know, I don't know, Two point five million or something like that as peak, uh, mainly selling content. We would sell content to um, people that needed content. Um, that business kind of went down because basically content, the price of content, and the quality of content used to be different than what it is needed today. Um, but it gave me a lot of opportunity again to to basically get involved with software and to basically understand more and more about search marketing, and it was right up my alley. Um, and basically just a different experience, and it did well. Like like I said, it's kind of gone now because basically, and we did sell that company, but uh, it's gone now pretty much because uh, just the change of Google and the way that they evaluate stuff uh, just kind of went out of style.
1: mm. So it was it was a good move for you because it prepped you for for where you are I guess at, right now yeah, isn't it totally
0: and because s- that was a mixed yeah right? so and then I started Hubstaff on the side of doing that same thing, very similar story to what I did with golf business on the side of my regular job uh, I was kind of running this new business and the golf business at the same time. So I started the, the the new business on the side of the golf business, and I started Hubstaff on the side of this business. So I always had kind of two things going on. Um, and that was a good way to doing it for me because basically I, I knew that it, these things usually take a while to ramp up and, you know, pay your personal income. So, yeah, I mean, by the, you know, it ended up being a while longer that I had to run hub staff without really making a whole lot, but yeah, it turned out to be a good move because it taught me software. I don't dev- I'm don't, i not a developer, um, but it taught me a lot of right moves. It taught me that basically I needed to have a development partner. It taught me that I wanted a partner because I couldn't do it all myself. I didn't have the knowledge to do it myself. Um, I think that if I didn't have that experience, I would have thought, hey, this is no big deal. I can figure it out, but I, I had no idea how hard it is to build a, a legitimate SaaS-based company that with. with solid foundation and good software which is really the key I think today in today's uh, world is you know quality is the key you can't have buggy stuff anymore it just doesn't work won't, won't sell so um, and what we were doing is really complex I mean we have to support Mac Linux Windows uh, Android Chrome iOS plus the whole web side you know so it's just way too complex way too big for me to to run on my own so I knew I my past experience taught me all of that. Um, And so now I run the marketing and really the support and the operations of the company. My partner runs the development side, which is the product side. Um, He has about 12 people. I've got about 10 between marketing and support. Um, And it's a really good partnership. It works out really well. Um, We both have the same kind of attitude about the business, I think. Um, We have the same kind of, um, you know, goals. Uh, which is to be a lifestyle business. We do not want to go out and raise a bunch of funds. We don't want to re- build the next hundred million dollar company, uh, that kind of thing. We want to have a lifestyle business that will basically help us uh, enable us to do what we want to do, and you know, really build, maintain, control of the products so that we can build what mm. we want to build. Very interesting uh, trajectory.
1: Um, so, so you, your partner is essentially your technical founder, um, but was the, was the idea yours? Yeah, initially. Yes, I had to talk him into it. Did you? all right? And how did
0: you, How did the idea come about? Uh, back in my golf business, I was looking um, for software similar to this, and I didn't find it. I couldn't find it. I found a few options, but basically it just didn't, it, they, they were buggy. They didn't work. They would, they would just, you know, didn't work. So basically, I, I had a lot of problems with, I always had a team. I didn't always have a remote team, but I always had a team. Back in the day uh, when I was in the golf business, I moved to Arizona, um, which is out in the desert in the U.S. and basically kind of a golf haven. Um, I had a little office. I think about you know I don't know how many square feet, but you know enough to fit. We probably had ten people in there. But basically, I just didn't know what any of them were doing. I didn't know the work they were doing. I mean, I knew on a high level what they should be doing, but I didn't know really what they were doing. I I, and I found myself, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm the owner of this small company. It's not really growing. Not really growing month over month, you know. Uh, I'm I'm on a treadmill. I'm peddling uh, videos. Um, You know, we had to continually launch new videos in order to maintain cash flow, that kind of thing. Um, So, I mean, I just found myself like. Projects were running slow. You know, a release or a design or something with the with the you know the code or whatever would just be kind of messed up. I wouldn't. I found myself really having to get things like you know push people for like daily email summaries. Like, what did you do today? Okay, send me an email. Well, for a few days that would be great. I would get the summaries. I could read the summaries. That was enough for me to understand where where things were in the in the scheme of things right now. and then you know, after a few days, those meals would stop. You know, after maybe after a few weeks, they, the, the, the habit would stop. Um, I just didn't I didn't understand what was going on, so I wanted a I wanted a you know a like a time software so I could understand like what projects people were working on. And about that time, companies like Basecamp started to come out where you know you could manage projects a lot easier. So that would have helped me out a lot. But those were not I mean, I didn't really even use a software like that. It was all through email and things like that. So it was a really a bad way to manage the business. But that taught me a lot about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Um and like I said, you know, I just I I, I built it from a from my own personal need. Um I think the important part is that yeah, I needed the saw. So I needed the tool myself, so I had a lot of vision there. So this is what I wanted to build, and what I thought I needed is what we built. But then also, the other part of it is um, basically it just it it taught me that I didn't want the type of business that I wanted to do. So meaning the value that I could provide, like I knew that golf videos didn't provide a lot of value to people. I knew that basically I got, I sold a video, 50% of them would never even watch it. I had a one-time customer. I had maybe a little more than a one-time customer. But what I really wanted to do then is have a product that people truly valued, that people used every day. It was a core of their business because that's how I knew that I could have basically, well, a core of their business or personal life. I didn't know what I was going to do yet. But um, that's why this idea has always stuck out to me. And that's why we went after it, because it was like, out of everything that I've experienced, this is the one business the, the one business idea uh, that I could see people really getting value from, at least that I could feel value from in terms of myself. Mm. So what would you say the software actually does? Uh, it does a lot. So would you, the core of it is time tracking, uh, people use, our clients use that time data. Uh, typical customer of ours is a guy or a girl that you know, lives in Chicago, for example. Um, they have an employee in California. They've got an employee in Australia. They've got an employee in the Philippines, two in the Philippines, one in India, and one in New York. And so they've got all those people doing work for them. Let's say they're doing the sales in Chicago, so they're selling websites, and they basically say, "Well, okay, I sold a website. Now I've got to have it made." So their designer is the one in California. Their coder is the one, you know, I'm saying, the Philippines or whatever. So how the how do you manage all that? Like how do you manage all that time? How do you know what people are doing? And basically, how do you set priorities? How do you communicate those priorities to the to the to your team members, how do you know they're working on the right priorities, and how do you like manage your business? So our software helps you understand what everyone's doing, helps you see that work unfold in real time, so you can see screenshots, so you can be like, if my designer over in the Philippines, he's working while I'm sleeping, and vice versa, I want to see what he did. I want to see how the design unfolded for this client, so they can log in and actually see that design in real time by just logging. They can see it. They don't need to send an email or wait for an email response and have that extra stress load on their lives They just log in and see it done. It also helps them to, since that person's tracking time, they basically use that time then to bill out their clients. They can bill their clients and then they also pay their people. So they know how many hours this person works. So they pay their people accordingly. It does all that automatically. So, it really helped automate their business and 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 help to basically run their business in, in a way
1: right so just from my own curiosity so if say um, my virtual assistant is working on you know the design of a new logo for instance and they've spent i don't know an hour on it how many screenshots would would you be you know taking or is that something you set?
0: depends on how many it depends uh, on how many it depends on what you set you could set zero or you can set it to be uh one per 10 minutes or you can set it to be three per per 10 minutes so you can set it to on or up to three so let's see 10 minutes times times six six times three 18 in that hour
1: so that's quite a lot right um and uh what if this screen is just static what happens then I mean obviously the screens
0: are going to be exactly
1: the same but do you track anything else in, inside of that
0: uh, yeah I mean we track activity rates like uh, like the mouse and keyboard movements so just like it just it's not like a, a keylog or anything it's just like is the person typing yes or no and is the person moving the mouse yes or no a, a, a movement or a type is a true um, no movements are false and you can basically tell the activity rate from that um, and it just, you know, that's how it works. You can just tell if somebody's got a relatively high activity rate or a relatively low activity rate. Um, okay. And then we take, we also track the apps and URLs that they went to. So that they track it. The, we track the URLs they go to, uh, the applications they are using. So like in that example, for the logos, you would say, all right, my person knows InDesign or they know, you know, Photoshop. Well, they were actually not on Photoshop at all during that hour. So... You know what I'm saying? Like what? So you can tell a lot of people don't use the screenshots at all. They use the app and blo- app and URL stuff. They can. Like for me, I mean, I can even tell down to my like. E- I try to get rid of email, but if I'm spending three hours a day in Gmail, uh, something's wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm not using my day properly. So
1: you can also use it as a productivity tool, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. Very good. Um. So so that's how the idea comes about, and then, um, where do you go from there? How do you know, you you know, so you start looking for a founder and how do you take it up from there?
0: Yeah, so I, fi- I found my founder. I knew I wanted somebody local. Uh, I live in Indianapolis. So I knew I wanted somebody local just because I wanted to go out and have beers with the guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a co-founder and, you know, thousands of miles away, uh, different time zones. I don't really think there's really anything wrong with that. I'm not. You know, I wasn't totally. I, but I just. I, you know, I just knew that I wanted somebody. I wanted somebody to run this side of the bit, the technology side of the bit. I wanted somebody to run and buy into it. I did not want somebody to just be a, like an employee. I wanted somebody to run and 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 own that side of the business. And so I just felt like local was the best way to do it. I'm not. You know, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a. I don't, I don't, I don't like the majority of our team is is way outside. We have people all over the world, so it's not as impor- important across the board, but just for the just for the reason that I wanted to get to know this person on a personal level. That's why I wanted somebody local. Um, I knew I had parts before. I knew uh, how serious of an in- endeavor it was, and I knew that being local would help me personally into what I. Felt like what I needed, you know, to do. So that's why I did that. But so anyway, I found a founder. It's worked out great. Um, we started to build. We put a little bit of money in. Each of us we got the initial uh, applications built uh, for Windows and and Mac, and the initial uh, twenty six thousand each. So we got the whole thing built for you know probably around forty grand, and then basically how much is that little money? Dude? We had a little bit left over to do some advertising and build some traffic okay. and that kind of stuff, so 50 grand. And that was basically our money, our, our, our start. Uh, from there, we started to, we offered it free. So we said hey it's a free product, beta. We'll be charging some in the future, but feel free to use it. We want to talk to our users. Um, we were getting like I don't, we were getting a lot of people signing up. Um, so we knew that we were on to something that had some demand. And so that was a good thing. We were happy with that with that feeling of, yes, it's a free product, but yes, it's something people want. It's not something just sitting there that's just like, going to be like crickets, nothing, no one interested, which is the worst thing that could happen. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we kept on building. and We kept on putting – we didn't put any more money into it, but we started – but we basically kept on improving it, and then we launched it. And when we launched it, I think we went to like two thousand dollars, something like that, monthly recurring revenue. And we just hired slowly. We grew. I think at the end of year one, we launched. We launched this thing at like the end of two thousand thirteen, like August two thousand thirteen, September two thousand thirteen. Somewhere around there. At the end of like two thousand fourteen, so like probably I don't know what is that, like fifteen months later, something like that. um, We probably were at. You know, fifteen thousand dollars monthly recurring. So it was a slow growing business, it was very slow and steady and gradual. Never had a negative month. Always month over month growth, but just slow. Then in two thousand fifteen, it started to pick up. At the end of two thousand fifteen, probably we were at you know I think like seventy thousand something like that, and now we're at a hundred and I think thirty two or something like that. Congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so. I mean, it feels so slow, but it feels also like. How do I put it? Uh, with the golf business, it got up real fast. It got up and running real fast, and it, it grew real fast. But then it also went down real fast. This is going to be a hard one to, to kill uh, because it's like we call it our castle because it's like there's so much technology. I mean, we have so much money developed and put into this company and you know so much time and engineering. Um, it's going to be very hard to to for somebody to kind of like come in and just – Start running ads and build the product in a few days, and just say, "Okay, I have. I'm now a competitor to you as well."
1: Mm, mm. So I want to dig a little bit more, Dave, into just that that process exactly. Like you you talked about just then, how how does somebody um, replicate um, the process that you guys have done? um, Maybe in a different field that they're looking at, not necessarily what you guys are doing. But so you've let's say you know ballpark numbers you've put in. Fifty grand, forty grand to build, ten grand to market. Um, but does that then not include your time and your founder's time? Yes, that doesn't include our time yet. Yeah. Um, so you were working for free, and was your founder the person who developed it completely, or did you hire?
0: No, we had uh, we, we had to pay to get it developed. So our so, like I said, we have support for Windows, Mac, Linux iOS, Android, Chrome. So my partner does web development, so he can do Ruby on Rails development, so the actual web server stuff. But then on the desktop clients, he, he can't do any of that. And our product requires both of these things, so we had to pay to get the desktop clients built. Okay, so if you added up your time, you yeah, and you have probably invested much much more. Yeah? If you added up our time, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's in, into the yeah, it's into the multiple millions well that's great um
1: so you went on the, on a trial version now how i think you've written about the trial version um or the free version um and i think in some parts you said it it didn't work and then i think i saw some some other writing where you said it, you i think you still use some of it so
0: can you walk me through the psychology of what happened and what you're currently using yeah so we launched initially with a plan of three people for free so i i, I our idea and thought process was that basically all right we're going to get word of mouth traffic. We're going to get um, viral spread. We're going to get high conversion rates um, into it, into a you know free free account. Which was all true. We would have we would have done really well, I think, with it. But there was a lot of things we didn't foresee, which is that in our business, you have one owner of the business. Then you have, let's say, a team of three people. Now, that owner has one funnel that they've got to go down. The team members have a different funnel they've got to go down. Um, onboarding funnels, I mean, for the most part. Um, you've got to support four people free for, for support, your support team. Everybody in our everybody in our business has a question or two before they before they pay. So it's not low it's it's not it's it's low touch. We don't have a sales team, but everyone asks a asks a few questions. Um so support's very important in our business. And if we still had that team of three for free, I mean we would be losing money on support big time. As well as server costs as well as because a team of three is actually our most popular plan uh, we didn't know that at the time, but now a team of three is our most you know the most our most popular plan by volume so um it's just a lot of support a lot of effort on our part for no revenue and so we decided and we learned that that was not the best way to go um because now, if we would have said if we would have said all right, we have to support." A team of three for free, but on average, that team of three refers over three more customers, and of course, it would be worth it. But that wasn't what happened. They referred over almost zero. So, and if they were referring over, they were saying, "Hey, use this; it's free." So that they, they, had, they had a free. So they were referring free customers. That was just meant just more free free support. So anyway, that's what that's what we learned. They're, those are the big takeaways, and. and I loved the free product when we started, and um it was good for us because we got to talk to people and got you know to get people in but um it was bad for us in many ways too and and so basically now we do not have that three that that free plan for three users anymore. we have a free plan for one user, and that's it. That's great. So at least somebody. So you've you've tweaked it,
1: and and what's interesting to me is that you know the 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 one that you offered for free is actually the kind of your flagship plan. So, um, so you know you'd have been losing a lot of cash flow on that, but you know time.
0: Right. Well. Yeah. And the thing is, so um, and it, it was deceiving at the time because because it was a free product, people were just inviting in everybody and their mother and their brother and everybody. So we felt. A, okay, so the average person is is you know inviting in seven people. So we were like, okay, this is all good because we could give three away for free, and then basically everyone's going to be on the five plan anyway, so it's fine. But then once we started to understand their, they had to pay for it, then the numbers went way down. So like, okay, well, I don't really need my mother on there. I don't need my brother on here. So the invites went down. Very interesting. Um, what was your
1: growth strategy at that point?
0: Uh, so basically just putting together landing pages and ranking well in the search engines. Um, it was very low competition, low volume, very niched. Um, so we did that and then we did some ads. Um, we got out on the directories on the popular directories. we gotten some mentions and things like that. Uh, that's about it. You know, we didn't, I mean, we, we tried to focus on the software. Um, you know, that's, that's about it. And has that changed now yeah it's a much more complex now but it's it that's still a, the the base of what we do I mean we have a a very extensive blog now we didn't have that then we have a very extent you know we we have a lot of landing pages we have one for each integration um, we you know do a lot of work with you know on page search we do um, we still are you know we still advertise but not a whole lot um we still focus on, you know, word of mouth, trying to build the best product. That's the best form of growth for us It's just somebody telling other people, which happens a lot. Um, and, but, you know, our blog drives about 15, 20% of the users to us. And we have the podcast and we have, we just do a lot of inbound stuff, a lot of natural, organic stuff. Um, we do not have a sales team. We do not cold email anybody we do not try to cold call anybody we do not reach out we don't um like i said advertising i mean our budget's like less than a thousand dollars per month um yeah it's not much so we don't well we haven't had anything that's profitable for some reason just can't find can't make it work i don't know why but still testing yeah still you know playing around with it but um but yeah so
1: Yeah. But I guess your SEO background with one of your previous endeavors, has, I guess, has helped you really just knuckle down on, on that and focusing on that.
0: Yeah, it's helped. Uh, and it's not all about ranking better. It's pretty easy to rank it um, because what we do is we just rank for really long term phrases. I mean, it's like where there's almost no competition. Um, you know, so we just try to niche in a lot. And, um, I mean, it would be nice to have the number one ranking for something like time tracking, of course, but that's just not feasible for us at the time. So um, we we need to have more. I mean, there's companies that have been around for 12 years, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, uh, they're very ingrained. It's, it's a very competitive market. So um, we try to get a, a little bit from a lot of different things. And it adds up to, you know, cumulative amount. Um, Dave, would you say there was a a
1: moment where you felt there was a breakthrough in, in, in the Hub stuff business, or do you think it's just been compounding slowly?
0: It goes really slow. It's just, it's slow. The breakthrough, I mean, there's been several breakthroughs. I mean, number one, when we realized we were on something, you know, and people would pay for the product. Number two, you know, when you start to get to a point where your product's a little bit more mature and basically it, it kind of runs itself. You know, I mean, if we weren't building, constantly building new stuff to try to improve things, we could be, you know, making a lot more money and not having to do too much. Um, So that's kind of a, it's, it's interesting the way that works. I mean, we got, I mean, yesterday we had 429 people sign up, Uh, not, not owners, but owners plus users. So I don't know how many owners there were, probably 70 or 80. You know, and so we could drop we could drop things down and like not not do a whole lot if we weren't constantly building and trying to increase those numbers, but that we are still trying to increase so we're working hard still um but so the breakthrough the next breakthrough will be when we kind of can if we focus a lot on team our team our team members and people, so the next breakthrough would be kind of like, okay, when can we basically let them do more? And you have people you trust in that can do a lot of the work and, you know, we can, you know, focus on another product, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Was it important at the beginning for you to build a team? Because I know I've interviewed a couple of people and they said, you know, the first thing I'll do if I start a new business is I'll make sure I have an assistant rather than me trying to do it myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't have an assistant still, but... um, I think on us, it's support. We've got support. We've got marketing. We've got development. And you know, I don't, I don't trust assistants. It's hard to say, but I don't even know what they would do. I don't have anybody. I don't have assistants or assistant type of work. I mean, I want to answer my own email. You know, I want to. If I'm gonna get somebody that's gonna, um, you know, I don't. I wouldn't have a VA, for example, doing SEO work. You know, I'd have an SC, i have an SEO. I have an SEO person doing SEO work. So I feel like I feel like assistance can't get I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I I do I I I still answer all my own email. You know. I do it kind of smartly, I think. I you know I've got a lot of filters, that kind of thing. Um but no, I don't have I don't I don't do it that way. But I I focused on basically I mean my first hire was somebody that understood Search um, somebody that understood ba- could help me basically get listed on directories and that kind of thing, just kind of scale out our marketing um, and then we had you know we 've always focused on on hiring good support people okay so
1: it 's not really a, an assistant, but you still hired um, somebody pretty early on to to work with you yeah yeah that 's cool um, let 's pivot a little bit here Dave um, and talk about failure, fear of failure a lot of people. Are held back from being an entrepreneur, you know, leaving their corporate role or whatever it is that might be a comfortable position for them, and launching out. How has that played out for you? Do you do you still have moments where you feel that, or it's never been an issue for you?
0: You know, I I I do not have a fear of failure at all. I think that's one of the things that has been a big part of my success. Um, so I just have always just. Gone for it, uh, not asked per- anybody's permission. Um, gone against the grain and done what I felt was right, and not right from an ethical standpoint or anything, but right felt right to me. And basically, goes it's 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 worked out. You know, it's um, you know, I, I don't care about you know releasing product i've tried a lot of stuff i had a lot of failures you know it's not like i've had three businesses that worked out i mean we even at hubstaff you know we tried several things that failed um we tried a content marketing kind of um side business we tried to have wordpress developers we tried a staffing company we tried a lot of things and those all failed Um, So you lose, I think the important part is to really analyze, I I think my advice is always this, um, and I still fall into this trap that I, I still don't do this right myself 100%, but basically what I'm learning is that the key really is to analyze the upside and downside of the decision. So what's the upside of a decision going after something or whatever? What's the downside of going after that? and look at the best and worst case scenarios and then try to figure out what's the likely scenario and then look at the opportunity cost and try to say, is this worth it or is it not? You know, and I think if you looked at a lot of those things, the upside wouldn't be worth the downside. The downside, you know, you look at it and say, well, I've got a SaaS-based company that's growing at X number of people. We can either throw all the resources there and focus there. Or we could go on this on this staffing business on the side. The upside might be, I don't know, maybe an extra, I don't know what you would make from, I mean, you could potentially do well with it, I guess. But it's just, I don't need to go through the whole, I guess, decision-making process. But I think that the key is looking at the upside and downside and saying what's worth it. And you go after those ideas, you go after those ideas where you're like, all right, there's more upside than downside. It's hard to lose. And then if you get something that's like that, then you pull the trigger. And then after you pull the trigger, you never feel bad about it because you did the you did the homework to basically say where well, you get into problems is when you don't do that homework and you do something and you spend twelve months of your life going after something and you're like, ah, oh, you know, I shouldn't have it just didn't make sense to do that. That was a stupid decision. Um, and that's where I think the fear that's where I think that's why you can operate with no fear, because if you do that homework up front, then you're alright. And then um you know the other part too is like it's just like if you pull the trigger and you go for it, um, you're always going to learn way more than somebody who didn't, and um, it's real easy to find a product to sell. It's real easy to find a product to sell. It's real easy to do something blog, you know, blog. Find a, a product and resell it. Um, find a physical product and resell it. Anything you can do to basically get started and have a product to sell, then you're off and running. You're like learning about traffic and learning about copywriting and learning about advertising and learning about search. You're learning about you know product and learning about you know you. Now you're faced with all these challenges that are going to make you a lot smarter. And so once you do that, then. You can do whatever you want. You can write your own paycheck because you can talk to the owners of companies and be like, dude, I've done all of this. I've done everything. I've got experience with this. Even if you fail in a lot of that stuff, the per, the person that's going to be, it's not all about success and having this breakthrough success. It's about improving your yourself and investing in yourself for the next journey or chapter in your life. And so, like if you look at right now, I mean, I feel like I could get a job at, I don't know, probably 200 different startups if I wanted to, you know, and pretty easily because I've done, I've done so much work in this space. um And so if I, and I have so much knowledge in this space. So basically if I never would have done any of this though, it, I, I would be, I'd still be stuck working for the man.
1: Yeah. No, that's good. Appreciate your, your insight into that. Um, let me ask you a couple of quick questions as we, as we come to, to the close of the show. Um, let me know how you would rank the following faith, fun, family, finances, and friendships.
0: Faith, family, finances. I forget them all. But basically, faith and family are at the top. And friends. So those three at the top, probably. And then, I mean, finances is right up there, too uh, what was What am I missing here? Fun. 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 Fun's at the, at the bottom. I, I, just because I'm, I'm, uh, I don't need much. I don't need, I've had a lot of fun. I have, I think that if you have good family and if you have good relationships and you have good finances and you have, I mean, fun, fun's just going to come natural. You're going to do what you want to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, what about a 30 second look into a day in your life when you started your business? Um, let's talk about hub stuff when you started hub stuff, you know, um, a couple of years ago versus today? How does your, your day look like versus how it looked like then? Um,
0: uh, so back when I started, uh, you get a lot of uncertainty. And so you're trying to do a lot of different things and get little small clues on, on what could potentially be working. So you're trying to throw a lot of stuff on the, against the wall. Um, Today, I try to manage the business. I try to basically understand what's working still, but then I try to double down and focus on that those things. I've got a lot more clues, a lot more knowledge now. So now is about really focusing in on the things that are working and 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 applying that knowledge. Um, and then today is just about getting better. Back then, it was about surviving. Um, today is about basically. To, there's a lot. The movements come a lot slower today. I mean, back back then, it was like you're moving very very fast. Your your every change that you make is like a jump of two x. So you basically okay. Yesterday we didn't have a well, client. Now we have a, a Windows client. We can go use it. You know what I'm saying? Now today we've had Windows client for three years, and now we're just making small little improvements. So it's a little bit disheartening in that regard because there's not as much like new stuff and everything new you do have it's only a small subset of everything that you all already have so it's a small percentage gain so it doesn't feel like you're moving as fast but you really I mean you really kind of are it just doesn't feel like it um, what about um, the structure of your day uh, it's the same pretty much it's the same I mean, I, you know—you get, I, I get up early I go to bed early um, I do my work my best work early in the morning and basically don't do much at night um and you know, throughout the day, I just try to you know make the best decisions and put focus my time where I feel like it has the most um, ROI for the company.
1: Long hours or, or just you know, sort of
0: normal. Yeah, normal.
1: Okay, great. Um, do you do you invest in mentors? And if you do, why why do you think that's important?
0: Uh, I don't, but I should probably. I feel like, so here's what I feel like. I feel like books are very cheap mentor. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like you can get mentors for free by just asking them and people are willing to help, very willing to help. I feel like like things like Clarity FM, I think now it's got, got bought out, but something like that's great because you know invest 300 bucks here and there for a few hours of somebody's time and basically have them talk and look at your business. That's great. Um, things like that. But I don't have mentors. uh The reason why I don't have mentors right now is because we're just so heads down. We know what we want to build. We know what we want to do. I think mentors are extremely valuable when you don't quite understand what to do. We know what to do. You know, we know to build our product better is the key. You know, we know what we're going to do. So if you know what you're going to do, I mean, I don't even read anymore because I know what I know. I don't have a need to read because I know what to do, you know. Um, so I think that's a key differentiation. Amazing. Okay, great. What about
1: books? You talked about books. Um, what are two great books um, that you you think are great reads for entrepreneurs?
0: Uh, scale mm-hmm. is one. Another one is the 80-20 principle.
1: Okay, Scale, 80-20. Great. Love that. And now... How, what is the best way for, for people who've heard your story today and want to just reach out and connect with you, maybe
0: check out more about what you're doing? Yeah, so my email address is just dave at uh, Feel free to email me. Uh, my Twitter is Vote and my blog is uh, blog.hubstep.com forward slash grow. That's where you see all my growth posts. And I have a ton of posts on there about this kind of stuff. So,
1: Okay, great. Uh, hey, before I ask my last question, I want to just... Acknowledge you for everything you're doing in the marketplace. You know, starting out at, at a young age, and you know, helping change you know, those golfers' lives at, at the, in your early days, and now all the all the work you're doing to help entrepreneurs, you know, manage their teams and and help them scale their businesses through through you know a proper system like, like Hubstuff. stuff. I think that's that's amazing. So so thanks for all that. Yeah, and uh, and you know especially for coming out on this show and you know talking to the business general's community here for us that's amazing um, now for the last question Dave when all is said and done what legacy do you think about leaving um, if at all and
0: be remembered for and tell us why uh, I, I don't think about a legacy at all I think that I think my only goal is to is to provide for my kids and raise them the right way and um, try to help the world you know become you know by the by the world I mean a few small individuals. You know, I think that when I have the opportunity, I'll definitely want to, I think helping kids is important. Um, And I think that your legacy lives on through them. I don't need any, you know, proper type, what people think of me. It's just a matter of what, just that I help a few small people get better and enable a few small people.
1: That's great. Yeah. So family is important. Just helping out others. Uh, maybe not as fortunate so that's amazing yeah thanks for thanks for sharing that Well, that brings us to the end of the show, Dave. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with me and Dave today. I hope you had as much fun as I did and hope you got your hopes up that you can chase your dreams and that you're good enough to do that. And remember to head on over to businessgenerals.com for all the show notes. Type in Dave in the search bar and all the show notes will come up. And to connect with Dave, just jump on hubstaff.com or Dave, you can send him an email, dave at hubstaff.com and we'll put up all that in the show notes. May, thank you so much for being on the Business General's podcast today and for sharing your story with us. Very grateful for that. Um, You are a true Business General. Great, thank you. Hey, what's up, Business journal family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.